I can choose, if this is a safe space, to work on how I respond, how I engage with it, and how I react to it. Um, If it's a safe space to do that. If it's not, figure out your exit plan. I am not telling anyone to stay in an unsafe environment just for the sake of personal development. Welcome to the Dairy to Move podcast. I am your host, Colleen Wetmore. Each week, I will give you a guest or a thought that will help you become aligned with your soul and your life's purpose. We will have conversations about raw and real topics with inspiring and motivational individuals. So let's get deep, and I dare you to move into who you were meant to be. Welcome back to the Dairy to Move podcast. I'm your host, Colleen. I hope everyone is doing okay. So if you listened to last week's episode, you knew, know that I was feeling like total shit. And I took a COVID test on Sunday. So a week ago from yesterday. So today's Monday. Came back negative. So now I'm like... Okay, so what did I have? If it was just allergies, holy crap, that's like not good because it was it was terrible. I literally felt so bad. Just the aches and the chest pain and pressure and headaches were unreal and all this stuff and I'm like <laughs> I'm like is it from the eclipse? Like, what happened? But I I just, I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't know what happened. And then Wednesday and Thursday, I felt awful. Like, it got a little better, you know, Sunday, Monday. By Wednesday, I was like, I felt absolutely horrible. I took, like, half days at work. I'm like, I can't do this. I feel like crap. It was so bad. So that was that. So apparently it's negative. I don't I don't know what I had. <laughs> I feel like it was a false negative. I just don't understand how someone can feel that bad from allergies. Like I've had allergy problems before. And yeah, I mean I guess you do feel like you've been hit by a truck. So I don't know. Just but just head cold stuff. So I don't know. Maybe it just was allergies for 14 days. For 14 days. <laughs> uh. Um so I do I was gonna talk about Shaman Dirk today and what he said, but I'm gonna save that for next week. Cause today we have a relationship episode. So it was it's it's really good. And you know, I think relationships for me have always been so damn difficult. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's... Well, obviously, I'm the the main problem, and it's just, like, all my shit just follows me in every relationship that I go to, and it's like I'm trying to change and fix it, and then... But it's like you didn't... I didn't learn about mirror... Like, mirror... Um, 
having like mirrors of yourself or like perceptions of others being like a mirror of yourself. I didn't know that until like 2018. So yeah, so I realized that I just follow all this stuff and yeah, it's been uh, my my oven's going off to tell me that it's done um, preheating. But anyway, I have a potato in there. But so I had a lot of questions about that, just about relationships being mirrors and, you know, just unpacking our reactions to everything and how, you know, she was saying Natalie, so the, the really, the episodes with Natalie and she was on before and I, I love her. I think she's so smart. And, but so we were talking about like, she's saying that people cannot make you feel anything like it's you react that way. And then we obviously talked about like safe space and when it's toxic, but then and how like partners are not supposed to be all your needs. And so it was a really good episode. And I just am always interested in relationship questions just because I am not an expert on relationships at all. And I'm still learning a lot. And it's hard when you love being alone and you love your alone time and you just literally at the end of a work day the last thing you want to do is to be talking to people on your fucking phone and I know that's a problem for me because I'm like I don't want to have a conversation with you I just worked all day I want to just read or watch tv or play the piano or do what I wanted sit outside in silence like I don't want to talk to anybody anymore I don't want to look at a screen anymore or I want to numb out to the damn instagram like, whatever, but it's just, it's hard for me to want to communicate with someone when I've just been at work all day stressed out, so that's been hard for me, and I don't know, it's just really hard for me. I love my alone time. I don't, I love living alone, too, so that's interesting. I'm looking at my dogs. They're both licking on the floor. They both definitely have um, allergies. But yeah, so Natalie is on. She is great. She was on before. Um, before we talked about a lot about her diabetes and MS journey. So I wanted her to come back on to do a whole relationship episode. So this is just about relationships. But we do kind of, not just significant other relationships, but we do kind of talk about like friendships too a little bit, but. Mostly significant other. Okay. Um, Yeah, so I hope you all have a good week. And I know you will enjoy this episode because it's really good. She's very smart. Okay, have a good week. Goodbye. So, yay. Natalie, thank you so much for coming back on and talking about relationships with me and everyone is going to benefit from this episode and I know I definitely will. (laughs) So I guess let's just start. We can just reiterate what you said in the first podcast that you did and just talk about what you do as a relationship coach. Absolutely. Um, Thanks so much for having me back on. I'm very excited. Also a little bit tired, but I am sure that (laughs) this conversation will wake me right up. So it is all good and I have my coffee ready. Um, So I am, as you mentioned, a relationship coach. My mission is really to help both individuals and couples 
Mm -hmm. transform their relationships by bridging the gap between spiritual and analytic, giving them the practical tools to integrate the spiritual things we hear talked about in this virtual community, in the books, et cetera, um, in a tangible way so that they can begin to truly live in desire. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hmm. Okay. So would you say like that relationships, are like mirrors of yourself and mirrors of like things that you still need to work on within yourself? I think they absolutely can be. The way that I've heard that said before that really resonated for me um, is that those closest to us give us the most opportunity to grow our relationship with God or higher power or universe, whatever you want to say. Um, just, a, just as a disclaimer, I use the term God in a way that works for me. So mm -hmm. I might use that throughout, but interpret it how you want. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that's sort of twofold. One is the people we're closest to, well, we are with them a whole heck of a lot. And so naturally things are probably going to come up a little bit more frequently than they would with someone we maybe see once a month for a coffee. We have no other commitments or responsibilities with one another. You know, we can just be there. It's easy. It's done. We go home. Mm -hmm. Whereas the person where we're trying to do those fun things with, be it family or partner or even roommate sometimes, uh, the fun things with and the chores, the responsibilities, the grocery shopping, the cleaning, all of those things, that's a whole lot more to have to navigate in that very intimate, close proximity relationship. Um, and so for me, that's definitely been true. And when I say the most opportunity to grow with God, it's because like you kind of alluded to as that, that mirror works, more, as more stuff comes up, I'm probably more likely to recognize those trends in my reactions. And also, this person's someone I'm already close to. So as much as they might be super duper annoying in that moment, or I'm really frustrated with them or whatever it is, I'm also usually, we'll say, safe with them. And so I'm safe to work through those reactions and to learn to react in a way that feels more peaceful for me. I'm not saying not to react, to react in a way that feels more peaceful and move forward. And that's the growing with God piece is to really check in to, okay, what is my truth in this moment? What needs to be said? What's mine to process? And I think the amazing thing that I found, especially um, even with like my partner is because of the type of relationship it is, I can be a little bit more upfront about it. So I've definitely, and, and we both try to do this when we can said, you know, you said this thing, um, I had this reaction. These are the feelings that I'm unpacking. I'm not asking for you to give me any feedback. I'm just letting you know that's what I'm working through and I want you to know I'm working through it. Mm -hmm. And it's a safe space to say that and to then go and learn, which can be really powerful, also really uncomfortable and really frustrating because it would be super duper nice if I didn't have to have those strong reactions and these uncomfortable things to have to work through and everything could just be like a fun coffee at the local cafe. Right. But that is not life. <laughs> So I think my problem with the whole mirror thing and the project, I like your project, they're like, you're projecting your, what is it? They're projecting your crap onto. Um, yeah, it's like, uh, so I've heard this other one said, maybe this is kind of what you're getting at where it's like, yeah. when I point a finger, there's three pointing back at me. 
And Mm -hmm. so if I'm seeing someone else do that thing, it's what am I thinking? What am I feeling? And what am I doing? Mm -hmm. And absolutely people will like, often I think it is that the thing we dislike in someone else is probably the same thing we're bringing forward because why would I want you to be argumentative if I want to win this argument? (laughs) Um, That might be coming from personal experience. Just saying. So um, I think definitely that is that kind of what you're getting at in terms of the the projecting. Yeah, I think for me, so I'm just going to, I'll just jump right into what we were talking about before we recorded. Um, About, so I've been told I take things too personally and that's like for relationships, like family, friends, boyfriend, whatever. But it's kind of like, you said something that bothered me. Yeah, my reaction was shitty, but you still said something that bothered me. But yet you're just throwing it in my face that I'm taking something too personally. Mm -hmm. So how does someone like deal with that when it's like, yeah, I know I take things too personally. It is who I am. And I'm working on making a more peaceful reaction. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Obviously we all want more peace in our lives, but still I am still maybe at the brainwave of saying like, well, you said something that hurt me. So you should take responsibility for that and not just shove it in my face that I'm taking something too personally. (laughs) Absolutely. So First thing that comes up is just because it's your default does not mean it's your truth. So the thing I just heard you say, if I may give feedback, (laughs) is this is who I am. But is it really? That would be my question. And so that's a big thing that I do support my clients with is unpacking those default reactions, seeing how have they been serving us. And then through doing that, we can start to move into a space of letting them go and rewriting that narrative and tapping into what is true. So in this instance, for example, there might be a very deep-rooted value that you feel is not being respected in all of these circumstances, like a common trend. And that value becomes your truth. That reaction might not be, but it might be how you've protected that, how you stay safe from people judging it. Um, how you step into your integrity. It might not be the most peaceful way to do that, but maybe it's the way you felt you needed to just based on the circumstances. And so we can start to understand why and how it has actually been serving us and then move forward. Because I don't think it's just this flick of a switch that will change overnight. These are defaults we've been living in for probably a very long time. At least in my case, I know that a lot of mine have been deeply ingrained. Mm-hmm. And when I first thought about letting them go, it was that exact same thing that came to mind of, but this is who I am. And to realize that it actually wasn't at my core was a very unsettling thing, but that's also how I move into feeling a little bit more peaceful. And I use peaceful because I don't like the positive, negative, good, bad way of looking at things. I think we operate on a continuum and that's more human. Um, but what peaceful feels like and looks like can also be different for everyone. And so that's where it's really about kind of feeling into and recognizing what that looks like for us as individuals. Mm -hmm. And then also, would you say like in an argument, we shouldn't say like, should, I mean, should we say like you said this and it hurt me or just said something you said made me Cause you don't want to like attack them mm-hmm. and make them feel like crap when it is. I think this is where the line is drawn. It's like, yeah, they said something that hurt, but my reaction is probably 
it's something that's inside me, like core values or whatever. So it's, it's such a, <laughs> um, I don't even know. I'm just making myself more confused. I think. No, no, that totally, it totally makes sense. So the yeah. first thing that I would say in that, um, and that was said to me and at first, I didn't really like it. You don't want to, uh, but is, no, but I think what it is for me yeah. is that person can't make me feel anything. No. That person said something and I reacted this way. Now, that being said, that does not condone the way that they acted because I want to make it very clear. I am not saying it's my fault for my reaction or like you were saying earlier, like because I reacted this way, it's all my responsibility. That is absolutely not true. Um, For me, drawing the line that way can just help me see what part of this do I have control over and what part of this is mine to process and where is that boundary, right? Because at the end of the day, I probably cannot change how they are going to deliver their message. I can choose, if this is a safe space, to work on how I respond, how I engage with it, and how I react to it. Um, If it's a safe space to do that. If it's not, figure out your exit plan. I am not telling anyone to stay in an unsafe environment just for the sake of personal development, Mm -hmm. right? So that for me has been really powerful. And that's how I would um, say it with my partner is like, you said this thing and I had this reaction. These are the feelings that were instilled in me. This is what I'm now working through. And if I want to, this is how I'm doing it. If and when I'm ready, I'll let you know. And I'd like to talk it through if you're open to it. I will say the first time he spat that same language back at me, I was not very impressed (laughs) because... I like being the one who had that peaceful, whatever way to deal with it. I didn't want him to have that too. Right. (laughs) And so if you're talking about the mirror, it can also come up in those instances where I'm like, well, shoot, you took my advice. (laughs) Um, But for me, drawing that line made dealing with my part and, you know, just even for myself, being able to breathe and kind of let it go after so I could figure out what the next step for me was a little bit easier. There was less for me to take on which really at the end serves me. It's not about, um, you know, not holding that other person accountable. It's just about processing what I need in the moment and then I can address the rest of it. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to go back to that safe Mm -hmm. space because you said if it's a safe, safe space, if it's not, then get out. So how do we know? Cause I kind of, you know, in the group that we're part of, we kind of hear things people put our women that we're friends with post things about their relationship. And it's like a lot of it's toxic, but some of it's healthy. And some of it you're like, well, is it their projection or is the guy just really an asshole? So, so it's like, how do you know when it's a safe space for someone? Like, obviously, obviously like physical abuse and stuff. So yeah. And I think that would be the first thing that I would say is I wouldn't want someone listening to us talking right now to think that I'm telling them that, you know, your partner physically assaulted you, but you need to work on your reaction. That is absolutely not what I am getting. I want to bring this up because absolutely. I understand that we have our own projections and we have our own mirrors Mm -hmm. and relationships, but there are toxic relationships Mm -hmm. and yes, you have things to learn, but I don't think that Mm -hmm. people should stay in that toxic mm-hmm. relationship. So I guess how do you know when what the line is like, yeah. how do you know when it's toxic versus how do you know when it's your, just your own shit? 
So I think too, like, and this is where it does get a bit difficult. That can look different for everyone. So one tool that I have found really helpful, one, having a perspective who is outside of the situation to support you through it can be really important. And for me, that looked like someone and looks like someone who is not directly connected, not someone who's friends with us, not someone who even really knows my partner, someone completely objective on the outside who I can bring this stuff to. It is a confidential space and I have a sounding board. Mm -hmm. I needed that perspective because when I'm all up in it, it's really hard to step outside it and objectively see what's happening. So I needed to share someone else's perspective till I could find mine. Mm -hmm. Um, The next tool that I have found really helpful is to, and I like to use this structure a lot, is just pose the question to the universe or whatever thing outside yourself like maybe non-human thing um, you're tapped into and just say, like for me, I would go, dear God, please show me the truth of the next right step for me to take in this relationship. And I'd meditate for five minutes and journal and see what comes up. And the first time I ever tried that, the thing that came up was do this again tomorrow. So I did. (laughs) And that would be kind of the next step for me. So I would probably need to talk to a person about it Mm -hmm. and then talk to God about it and, and see where both of those led me. Um, and then, and that's, of course, like we said, like barring any like physical abuse type scenarios. Yeah. Um, and then for me, it really has come down to, is this, because I think what you had touched on earlier is, you know, some of these things, they're going to follow me and mm-hmm. I do have a choice. I have a choice to work on it with this person or leave this relationship and work on it with a therapist or perhaps leave or stay and never work on it ever and just decide to stay in this. And that's not wrong. Sometimes that's the best someone can do in that moment. And that's okay too. Um, And so what it's come down to for me is really looking at it on a day-to-day basis and just saying, do I love this person today? Do I want to be here today? And the next thing I would say is, am I harming them by staying here to work through this? Mm. And that's been the big one. So um, that's kind of the daily check-in that I would do. And the other thing I want to mention, because this is a big point that is top of mind for me always, and I feel like this is the place I can voice it, (laughs) is in these communities like we're talking about, I often see it where the person that someone's in a relationship with is not everything that was on their list or maybe that person's working through their own stuff and it's making things not feel super awesome in that moment. And my response is a little bit different than what you might see there, because here's the thing. Uh, If you're going to be with this person for 50 years, they're probably not going to be at the full end of their personal development journey, living out lollipops and rainbows every second of every day for those full 50 years. Mm -hmm. They are on a journey as well just as you are, just as being with this person who has isms is bringing up yours and you are learning to navigate them. And so I will be the first to say that my, my relationship does not make sense on paper. And thank God I never used a list to decide how I had to navigate it. Mm -hmm. Because if I did, I would have opted out of some really incredible growth, amazing connection And like all the laughter I've ever experienced in my whole entire life. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really grateful that the way that this worked for me was not to go by a list and something concrete on paper, um, the black and white, the good and the bad. 
because also that is not allowing that person room for their human experience. And I do not want to infringe on their creative space. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. It's very beautiful that you found someone though. That's good. Yeah, that's interesting <laughs> that you say that because obviously in the manifestation world, we have to write our list of what we want. <laughs> So yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and so that's where um, the way that I would kind of teach that and the way that's worked for me is to maybe take that outward list. Yeah. And then once you're really concrete, because I don't think it's a bad thing to know what you're looking for. What I do think is similar to how we're saying people's default reactions can mm-hmm. point back to ours and that can be a guide to learning and to finding our truth the outward look of how someone else is can also guide us back to our own personal values. And so I would always suggest to really take that, okay, this person um, enjoys going for hikes. Like the person I want to be with enjoys going for hikes. They're an active outdoorsy person. You know, they're engaged in their physical well-being. Okay. What's my personal value? I value getting outside exercising and having a community around that. And then the other really interesting thing is that romantic partner might not be all those things on that list. So like mine will go on hikes with me. It's not a frequent occurrence. It is not his favorite thing. He also has a knee that's not so great. It's like, I do understand. Um, But then I can look at, okay, do I have friends who will go with me? Does he engage with Mm. that enough that I'm okay with it? Right. Um, Just like I brought this up before. I do not like anime. He loves it. He knows I will not be the person to watch it with him day in and day out. However, every so often, if there's a show that he's really interested in, I'll say, okay, or he'll ask, I'll watch one episode a day that we're together this weekend. And that's enough for him to know that I'm engaging and I'm supporting his interests without me having to totally throw mine out the window and just like... And lose your mind. (laughs) Yeah, that. (laughs) And just give in to everything that he wants. And so... It doesn't have to be everything. Um, But that's sort of the process that I would go through in navigating from that manifestation list into something that I actually have control over, which is how I show up in that interaction, in that first date, living in my truth as best I know how. Um, Because I found that if I really own that, the people I'm meant to be around will come to me. They'll stick around. Yep. Love that. So I guess this is a good time to talk about how your partner, your significant <laughs> other, cannot meet all of your needs. For the you record, he, mine has given me permission to talk about this, so we're okay. I always try to check in with him before I talk like, about our relationship specifically. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, he's, he has. Um, that's something I tried to really check in with early on was just to make sure he was comfortable with anything I was sharing because at the end of the day, it is our relationship. It's between yeah. us, and I'm the first one to be very protective of that. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, if I'm coaching people on this, they probably want to know what I do in my own life. (laughs) And so I recognize a need for, and I do enjoy engaging with that level of uh, vulnerability. So yes, partner cannot meet all of your needs. I think from that to what I would say is they're not really supposed to. Mm. No. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, um, The analogy that I gave recently uh, that seemed to make sense for me at least was how in an office 
building or in a restaurant, you have different departments, right? Or different stations or whatever it is. And it's very rare that one person is completely proficient in all of those areas. Mm-hmm. You might have someone who can jump between one or two or someone who's in a single department but understands how the other three or four work. Just if you put them in the actual role, they couldn't really do it. And maybe we'll relate that to me watching anime once in a while, but not being someone who actually avidly watches it and really enjoys it. Mm-hmm. Right? I can dabble. It's really not my thing. I'd rather stay over here in this other department, you know, watching mm-hmm. Heartland or something. Um, full disclosure. So um, that's how I kind of look at it. And then the other thing for me is that looking at the relationships where that person is your everything, anything, all the time, I've realized at least that that for me has come a lot from more of a purity culture background Mm. where Mm -hmm. I was taught to find this one person who I would be with forever and we would do these specific things together and that's what it was meant to be. And then also potentially um, kind of uh, correlated with one another, like I think they might've grown up this way for a reason, is that high school version of a relationship. Like I'm sure a lot of us have had that friend. I might've even been that friend where once we're dating someone, we're with them 24 seven and we are scared to leave their side. And well, if we're not with them all the time, then something must be wrong, Mm -hmm. right? And I don't know about you, but I don't really want to have the 15-year-old me version of a relationship. It taught me something. You know, um, there was love. There are values. uh, But at the same time, it's not what I want now. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I remember my mom, she's so funny. She gets like, this is like a perfect example. She gets like angry at me. She's like, why aren't you spending time with your boyfriend? Why is he not going to you with this? Why is he not doing this with you? I'm like, mom, I don't need to do it. Attach to the hip with my boyfriend every mm-hmm. fucking moment. Like it'll drive me nuts. Ours have actually been the exact same way. Now they're more used to it. Cause I think yeah. I've told you, but we've been doing the distance. It's a short, long distance, but it's still yeah. long distance. It's over a border. Yeah. So I think that counts for about four years. And especially in the first like year and a half, when we would have time apart, his family instantly was like, well, what's wrong? What's going on? And he's like, nothing. We just have our own lives, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and recently we were talking and um, he had come up, but he really wanted to just be here in my proximity and play his video games in the other room. Mm-hmm. And I pretty directly was like, you know, once in a while, if that's your intention, first I was like, you know, I need you to tell me up front that that's your intention. Because for me, I'm setting aside time for us to do stuff together. And my day looks very different, right? If it's us together versus if it's you doing your thing and me doing my thing 24 seven. And then the next thing I said was on occasion, I would rather, if that were the case, that you just stay home. And it's not a you thing. And I had to explain this. It's not a him thing. It's just that sometimes I need time just by myself. And so naturally the next thought, and probably people even listening to this might think, well, what's going to happen when you live together? And I'll go on a solo vacation every year and I'll book myself a room at a hotel. And I told him that too. And it's like, that's not you. That's me knowing what I need to feel full so that I can give back to this relationship. And sometimes it is just 24 hours without talking to another person 
you know, in my fuzzy socks, reading a book, doing work on my computer, whatever it might be. That's how I recharge. And so I do need time away from a social situation. Even if it's just a person in my proximity, to me, that can be a lot sometimes. Um, And so that was definitely a difficult conversation to navigate because I think, you know, if someone said that to me, that's a funny thing. My first reaction would be, well, what did I do wrong? Why don't you want to be near me? Right. And so I had to understand that that's what was probably coming up, but also know for myself and be able to communicate that that's really not what this is about. This is just about what I need to feel peaceful so I can come back and we can do things like decorate the Christmas tree without ripping each other's heads off. Yeah. I <laughs> and I like that our generation is realizing that we don't need to do everything with our significant other. And that we're allowed to do things alone or with our family or with our friends without them there. Mm-hmm. And it's fine. <laughs> like the relationship's yeah. not ending. Like everything's fine. So I like that. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so what, I know you talk about anxious attachment. What the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> so there's this book that seems to be very popular. I actually read it quite a while ago, but I've seen it popping up more and more lately called Attached. And it is, it is a really awesome book. Um, so I just want to, you know, caveat, I'm not speaking ill of this book. Uh, it's an awesome book in that it helps us kind of realize, like you were talking about earlier, like our default behaviors, perhaps why we're having those in a relationship by navigating what is our attachment style and what our partner's attachment style seems to be so that we can understand maybe where there's a bit of a disconnect, what we need to feel okay in the moment, that sort of thing. Um, the interesting thing was when I first did the little quiz in this book, um, Mm. I tested as avoidant redoing it in my current relationship, at least at the beginning of this relationship, I tested as anxious. Those are very different. So Mm. I think that's the other thing I would say is, and I say this all the time, but is context creates meaning. And so the context very well can impact those results and how we act in a situation. And I think it's important to realize that um, because I see a lot uh, individuals ascribing to this certain thing they've been told about themselves and then they can't step outside of it at all. It's like, this is just how I am. And so even like we touched on, like, this is just who I am. Well, maybe it's not. Or maybe it is, and we can still navigate towards that more peaceful existence. And so um, what that kind of comes down to for me and what I've worked through and what I kind of talk about a lot is curing anxious attachment style. Like definitely understanding that that's how I was um, acting and reacting was very powerful. And it also doesn't have to stop there. I think the first thing that didn't sit right for me was kind of having to think about, so now I'm going to ask my significant other to do these things to help me feel better. But those aren't things that they inherently engage in. Like my partner is not that good at texting. It's just a fact. And when you're long distance, well, how else are you going to talk? We don't call each other every day. Sometimes we don't even call each other in the week. It's not our thing. And so... I had to realize like, okay, that's not a realistic expectation for me to have. And if I were to ask this other person to do all of these things to help me feel better, it's not actually addressing those reactions and those defaults. I am constantly living on edge thinking, are they going to do this? And if they don't, then what? 
And so I needed to navigate into a space where I could be okay with those ebbs and flows and have a way to process the, um, just to you know keep consistent with the naming convention, the anxieties as they came up for me in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... So does that mean that you can't work together on like saying, hey, if you could text me once a day versus, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's about him not texting at all, but how, so I guess, how do you compromise on this? Mm -hmm. Obviously you have to work on it, your like inner self and be like, okay, this makes me anxious, but I need to get more peaceful with it because this is, it's just stupid. (laughs) (laughs) stupid but it's just it's not worth it, we have the early morning vocab going on we do. I get what you're saying don't worry so um first step for me is always turning inward it's not looking to them to solve the problem and so in this particular instance it did look like going to that mentor that I had in my life that I have in my life Uh, to talk this through and get outside perspective. It looked like going to my higher power to see the truth of the situation. So the very first time this came up for me and I got really uncomfortable, didn't know what was going on. I, I did, I prayed on it. I meditated. And the thing that came up for me was, okay, the truth of this is I need time that is prioritized for us to connect. Mm -hmm. It can't just be an offhand phone call when we're driving home from work. I needed to know at this time on this day, we were going to be connecting in an intentional present way. Yeah. And so then, and this, this might not be like an instant process. This could definitely take time. So that's where, like we talked about earlier, is this a safe space for me to work through these things? Am I harming someone, et cetera? Mm -hmm. And that can be a daily check-in. But from there I decided, okay, what's realistic? Yeah, at first, my inclination is, I want to talk to this person every day because they're so awesome, yada, yada, yada. Um, But really, I also have a life to live, and that is going to end up more stressful than not, you know, having like a face-to-face conversation every day. So I was like, okay, one day a week, outside of seeing each other when he would come visit, I was like, one day a week is reasonable. And so we talked it out, and I voiced, this is what was coming up for me. This is what I realized it was. So would you, or would it work for you if we planned a day? So we picked Tuesday where we talk at a certain time. We're both present for that conversation. And we do that every week at the same time. And he said, yes. And so I think from there, it was really about finding a solution. And that's where it becomes like, you're saying like compromise, a solution that worked for both of us, that we were both opting into consenting Mm -hmm. to, and that we both really wanted to engage in, or at least that it wasn't harming us to engage in. Um, that would help support that moving forward. Mm-hmm. And so then as well, that helps me to have, uh, we talk a lot about boundaries in these instances, mm-hmm. a boundary to know, okay, well, if this person is consistently late or I don't feel like they're present for the check-in, um, you know, things like that, that's a boundary I can maintain. And that's where I get to decide what I do next. And it also gave me a clear idea of where that boundary was. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And that goes back to like the, just what the example you're showing about um, the person that you don't need them to, to, you don't need your partner to meet all your needs. Cause it's funny. Cause you think that just because you're in a relationship, you're supposed to talk all the time. You're supposed to talk every day, but then your friends, me and my best friend, we randomly will text each other, but it's not like we have to check in every day. 
it's, yeah. it's weird. It's different. It's weird. Yeah. And so like my day to day does look like, so I do talk to my partner over text every day, at yeah, least a couple like, of texts back and forth. Yeah. yeah. But you're not um, like, where are you? What are you doing? Why aren't you responding? Blah, blah, blah. No. Cause uh, what was said to me early on was it's really none of my business unless it's harming me or right. it's not, or I find out at some point that it's not consistent with our agreements for our relationship, which would be in a sense harming me. It's none of my business who he wants to hang out with and when he wants to do it, or if he chooses to stay, to stay up till four in the morning, that's impacting him, not me. Once we're living in the same space, it might be a little different because of course, if he's staying up till four in the morning every day, this doesn't really happen anymore. But you know, if that was happening every day and we're supposed to be sleeping in the next room and I'm getting woken up every night when he comes to bed or something like that, that would be problematic, but that's not what's happening now. Right. So I don't need to worry about it right now, which is pretty wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'm learning a lot today. It's very <laughs> and I'm waking up. It's good. With relationships. What'd you say? I said, I'm waking up. So it's good. <laughs> um, okay. So I know last time at the end, we briefly talked about, uh, Relationship connection, desire, conscious connection, and shame. <laughs> the list. <laughs> the list. So I don't know if you want to, if you feel called to touch up on all of those or one or two of those or. What's your favorite? What stands out to you? I'm kind of curious of what. All right, let's do <laughs> relationship connection and shame. Okay. Relationship. That's kind of. Well, the shame I'm kind of interested in. Shame? Okay. As to how... I have a feeling that may have come up when we were talking more about the purity culture stuff. Yes. Um, okay. To do with shame around articulating desires. It did. Okay. Potentially what it was. Okay. You're really testing my memory this morning. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So, yeah, just how... So basically... Okay, so that does make sense now. Okay. I don't know. It's too early for us now. (laughs) Is there um, a question that comes up for you around that or maybe something that you have seen? So how does that go? How does that relate to like a a partnership? Mm, Like moving through the shame? To like the sexual part of it or... (laughs) Nothing else. Oh yeah. So <laughs> I well, think I it relates it to a whole lot of stuff. Part of it. <laughs> so but it's nothing kind of, else along like. It's funny you say this. So something I've said a couple times, <laughs> and that is a little bit blunt to be bringing up on a podcast, but hey, it's me. Um, is that when we think about it? At least for me, when I think about sex, it's it's not good. It's disgusting. It's uncomfortable. It's all these things. But that's because I'm not supposed to think it. I'm supposed to feel it, right? And in that moment, when I think back to those things that in the moment felt incredible, when I think about it, it's like, ugh. But if I can sit and be present and feel it again, that's magic. And Mm -hmm. so I think a lot of the shame, at least the things that I've kind of worked through and addressed for myself, um, comes from realizing that, you know, it's okay to just be present for that feeling Mm -hmm. and to allow that to be my guide to what is acceptable for me 
mm-hmm. in kind of my growth and sexual exploration, um, as opposed to the thoughts about it, right? The judgment that I've grown up with, the rules that I've grown up with around sex and when to access yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that being from purity culture, you know, yep. I don't think I ever was told that sex or any sort of sexual connection, even we're talking like, you know, making out on the couch like teenagers was about my pleasure. Mm-hmm. It was never about that. And so naturally to step into a place where it is, oh mm-hmm. Lord, like that is the complete opposite of everything that is ingrained right. in me. So when we're talking defaults. My default is to step away. My mm-hmm. default is to not seek physical connection. My default at times has been to say yes when I didn't want to. And to undo those things was so powerful. I remember mm-hmm. the first time my partner, he, he clued into that. I have this magical person. And mm-hmm. he said, he's like, you know, it's okay to say no. And I know that if you do, it's a no right now. It's not a no always. And that's okay. And I started crying Aww. because I realized I had never said no before at all. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge turning point for me. And even the discomfort I felt around saying no, right? Like there's some amount of shame there because I was taught when you love someone, this is what you do, Mm -hmm. right? And so to realize that not doing that thing, even though I love someone and we're committed to each other, et cetera, is okay. Mm -hmm. I didn't owe them that. What now? (laughs) It was the complete opposite of everything that I had ever known. And so that's where really, and this is something I love doing, is unpacking that narrative that comes from purity culture. And so in this instance, that's kind of like what we're talking through right now, is realizing where those thoughts and reactions were coming from and identifying that and being able to say, those may have served me then. They may have given me a guide to how to act, to how to navigate relationships, and they are not serving me anymore. Because if that causes me shame in that situation, if that means that I feel I can't say no and allow myself to feel safe and follow my desire, because a desire can be a no. A desire is not always a yes. In that instance, my desire was to sit alone without physical touch, and that is not wrong. And if my upbringing or these rules I've been taught is telling me otherwise, those don't work for me anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. So how can couples like work through that together? Like the shame in general? Yeah. And I feel like mostly it probably comes from women, the shame part. I think it can be both. I think, um, or I guess I, well, it's not my experience, so I can't really speak to it, but I would say all people can experience shame in, in sexual uh, situations or relationships. Um, But in my particular relationship, like I'm dating male. So that's just where I'm at right now. But, um, I think it definitely can be in this instance, both sides. Um, however, I think that women, us, we might have more platforms where we feel safe discussing it and opening up about it. Um, but I think like for my partner, you know, what about when a guy isn't interested in the moment and having sex, right? Because mm-hmm. I think societally, <laughs> um, morning vocab, what? Societally, that's not a thing, right? Yeah. Like, I see this all the time about, like, 
guys have more sex drive. Guys will always say yes. Guys, da 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 da. Yep. We're all people. We all sometimes don't want these things, and that's okay. And I don't think it's fair to put that expectation on my partner that every time I want to, he's going to want to because he doesn't put that on me. Right. So I think it can definitely go both ways. And in terms of navigating it together, I think just leaving space for that conversation is really important. Being open when it does bring up insecurities, even if, you know, I'm not yet ready to dive into it fully, just Mm -hmm. to say, you know, um, I consented. I wasn't fully desiring in that moment. That's not about you. It's something I'm working through to know it's okay to say no sometimes when those things don't align. Um, But I also want you to be reassured that I did consent. You know, I enjoy connecting with you and just offer reassurance that way because like you're saying earlier, like I wouldn't want it to be a personal attack um, if it's something I'm working through. That distinction too has been really powerful for me, working through the difference between desire and consent. Um, because it's true, I will consent to things that I don't desire, and that is my choice. I may also desire things that I don't consent to. And if that desire is acted on without consent, that can lead to a lot of shame or difficult things to unpack. And so sometimes it's about just taking the time to kind of pause and realize, am I consenting to this? And it might not always be an enthusiastic consent that's for me to decide. Um, because sometimes I'll consent to things that might be new and I'm apprehensive about, but I'm still interested to try. And and I mean, we're talking sex right now, but like that could even mean like going to a new restaurant that I'm unsure about, but I'm still saying yes to, even though it sounds terrifying because I don't really know if I want to eat that thing that's on the menu. That's totally weird to me. Right. Mm -hmm. But I might still consent to going just to give a more tangible example. Mm -hmm. Um, It also means though at any time, I could, you know, if I'm at that restaurant and I eat that thing on the plate and I don't like it, I can stop eating. And so similarly, if I'm consenting to something that I'm unsure about, I can build up those parameters ahead of time so I can feel safe. And I can know that at any time I can say, you know what, I'm not consenting to this anymore. Let's either switch gears or just stop. Mm -hmm. And that's okay too. And I think that's the other important thing to recognize. But I mean, if I didn't, for myself, consenting to some things, feeling safe to do so, but our new has also been really amazing. And also moving into a space where I've known that it's okay to not consent and that that will be respected has also been super powerful. Mm -hmm. So how can someone work through shame on their own then? Especially with the purity culture. Bullshit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 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 I love it. So... For me, it always goes down to those two things I talked about earlier. Um, First and foremost, having someone outside has been really powerful. For me, having a mentor to go to has been really powerful. And that's absolutely what I've offered to individuals who I've worked with is just being a sounding board for these things. Somewhere that you can go and feel safe talking through it all, voicing it all without Mm -hmm. being judged. And knowing that someone will help you navigate in an objective way, not a subjective way. And so with that, I'll say like, you know, it absolutely might happen where I'll work with someone and these pretty culture things come up and they unpack them and they decide, you know what, these actually are fully in line with my values. And that's really amazing because that also means that you have taken agency over your story and opted into these things and they become more meaningful that way, in my opinion, than having them, you know, suggested onto you. And so that's great. Like they don't have to change. Um, 
But for me, it really has been about having a mentor to talk uh, through it with. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a little bit less tangible, but just allowing myself the space and grace to learn through it because Mm -hmm. it's not going to be an overnight change. For me, this was the first, you know, 18 years of my life was spent learning these things or acting the complete opposite of them and feeling the shame at some level, or at the time it came out as rebellion, um, and not actually realizing that that could just be truth and alignment. It was either good or bad. Right. And so when I realized that I didn't have to judge my actions by these other rules, that was a shift. And so allowing space to learn it is really important. And I think that's something we can do as individuals, seek out the resources, be okay with questioning, and also know when we might need to pause from that because it is a lot. It is some deep work and it takes time and it's okay if you need a day off sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because my shame around things in my life come from me giving to consent when I didn't desire it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I don't know about that, but yeah, <laughs> guess yeah. I got to stack all that. <laughs> well, and I think it's really powerful to notice that. And that's where like, I appreciate you sharing because that distinction, I don't think is something that gets talked about a lot. And for me, when someone pointed that out, it was a game changer. And to an extent it helped actually get rid of, not get rid of, but like work through a lot of shame. Um, because I had this concept in my head that consent and desire always existed together. Yeah. And to realize, well, actually they don't. And sometimes that can actually be okay. Was like, oh, okay. And then I could work through the other things that were coming up. Mm -hmm. But like you're saying too, sometimes consenting when we don't desire is the discomfort. And that's the thing to work through. And so I think my first cue from that would probably be Well, one, there's like the whole thing we could do about working through the specific situations and the things that come up and whatever. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like a go forward would be to get really clear on what it feels like to desire something, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's also going to help us realize in the next situation where desire is not coming up for us, but we're maybe contemplating consenting, we can say, oh, I don't have that feeling. Okay. You know what? I know how I felt last time I consented without desire. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll wait till tomorrow. And that can start to be a bit of a guide so mm-hmm. that we can act in a way that feels a bit more aligned for us and feels more peaceful for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if anyone else listening feels that way too. Cause then it's like, I also have shame about why I don't feel the desire for whatever it is in my life. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess I gotta, mm-hmm. gotta unpack that stuff. <laughs> yeah. And this is what I love going into <laughs> for that next part. That's where, um, what I love coaching on is unpacking that purity culture narrative in particular. And so what I would support individuals to work through is realizing where is that shame coming from? Like what's the rule or suggestion that I'm acting in discord with that's causing me to feel that shame. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for me, that might come up as uh, if we're looking at purity culture upbringing, the rule that says, if we're talking just sex, um, sex is something I give to that person when they love me. Mm -hmm. And if I look at this and like, well, that person loved me, but I didn't want to do that. So that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I can realize that's where it came from, realize how it served me then and start to realize that it is not serving me now if it is leading to me feeling shame. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And that's what I would do for basically every rule that I have internalized is go down that list Mm -hmm. and unpack it one by one. Yeah. So good. Um, So what do you mean by relationship connection when you work? I don't know what that meant (laughs) without context. (laughs) Relationship connection. I wonder if you wrote those as separate words. No, they're together. And then I have conscious connection. Conscious connection makes more sense. I don't know what the first one was. Right. Everyone going <laughs> to ignore that. We'll go to conscious connection now. You can take that part out. <laughs> oh, so no, I might laugh more at all this. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't remember. Oh, we totally didn't plan what we were talking about. We're just going with the flow. Right? I told you context creates meaning. I don't, I don't understand. Um, <laughs> conscious connection. Yes. Yeah, let's talk about that. What do you mean by that? For me, conscious connection is about cultivating a connection where I am opting into it along the way. So it's more intentional. It's, for example, when those things are going awry and I'm feeling unsettled, taking Mm -hmm. that inventory of, do I love this person? Do I want to be here today? Am I safe today? And opting back in. It's for me pre-planning our time to connect versus just having it be this passive thing that happens, you know, like sitting down on the couch and getting lost in Netflix. I didn't plan that. That's not meaningful to me. So I want someone who intentionally sets aside time to check in with me, not just a, hey, how's it going? Text every day. I'm not about that life. (laughs) So, you know, um, or like, sup. Yeah, I'm not responding to that. (laughs) and so for me conscious connection is really that it's an intentional opting into connection moment to moment and that can go for partnership it can go for solitary time it can go for what you and I are doing right now Mm -hmm. any connections in my life even when I'm like sitting down with my cat and just fully focusing on him and putting my phone down yep that's a conscious connection my cat lays on my phone because he gets annoyed so that's awesome yeah Yeah, I love that. I think that, especially with yourselves, but also in relationships, having that conscious time together is very important. And that deep, deeper meaning that just saying, hey, how are you? Okay, cool. Let's just watch this TV show now and not have deep conversations about life and what we're feeling. (laughs) So I I do like that. Um, So I know you incorporate spiritual and analytical how do you incorporate them together? What tools do you use for your clients? So that's a lot of what we have been talking about like throughout all of this really is, you know, if I'm saying to you, okay, let's start to unpack the shame. Okay, great. How? Right. And so by giving tools like putting pen to paper, making that list, making it more tangible, we can start to integrate those mm-hmm. things. And so like for talking about spiritual, the big one that comes up a lot is something feeling aligned. People say this all the time, drives me bonkers, uh, because what people are actually often saying is this thing matches what was on this list or what I think should be the thing that I achieve. They're Mm -hmm. not talking about feeling. And so what Mm -hmm. I would do is help guide individuals to know what it actually physically feels like to live in alignment because that list is going to fluctuate 
And how do I know? How do I feel when it is time to let it do that? How do I feel in the moment to opt into that thing? I'm not going to always have this list to go back to, right? In the here and now, when I'm with this person to check in, of, oh, is that on my list of what it means to be aligned? And so how do I feel alignment in that moment? And so that's where like you and I were talking about making a list of how, um, how desire felt and to tap into that and write it down on paper and get it to be a little bit more tangible in front of us um, so that we can start to live in that aligned space and tap into that feeling and recognize when it's coming up. And so it's really just about breaking down I'm big on semantics, but it's a lot about breaking down the words and the phrases and these things that are floating around into a way that actually makes sense. And so that we can take practical action to integrate it versus just seeing what's happening on the outside, talking about the thing, but not actually knowing for ourselves and navigating it in an individualized way Mm -hmm. and allowing our bodies to physically guide us into our truth. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um, so as we're wrapping up, is there anything you would like to touch upon that we didn't talk about that you feel is important as relationships go? I feel like we covered a whole lot. Did. <laughs> um, yeah. Did. So informative and so good. Yeah. I like that. You ask good questions, my friend. Thank you. That makes me happy. <laughs> it's just because I'm a curious person. So it's just like, <laughs> I know these things for my own gain, but I know maybe it'll help yeah. other people too. No, I love it. You make it easy. So thank you. <laughs> Especially when it's only 8.20 in the morning. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, don't be sorry. I'm, I'm glad that I got to do this. And, and here's the thing before we wrap up. Your choice of this stays in. I and My partner is not here this weekend. Mm -hmm. And today, this is my only planned social interaction, and it is virtual. And I am so happy about that. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to actually work on recording for my new podcast that's launching in January Mm -hmm. and work on a couple other projects I have going on. And that is what I desire. And it feels wonderful. Love it. (laughs) Do what you desire, people. (laughs) Um, so I normally ask this question at the end of everybody, but I'll change it up for this particular episode. So what would you tell someone who feels stuck in a relationship? Ooh, okay. <laughs> normally it's about life, but I'll do relationship this time. Yes. Cause you already asked me the other question, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> I see how it is. Someone who feels stuck in a relationship. So... I think really the first thing that I would ask is for them to get really clear on what that stuck means, Mm -hmm. right? To really pinpoint the instance or the thought pattern or whatever is coming up for them regarding that. And then from there, it would be to decide, is this the relationship where I'm going to work through this? Mm -hmm. Or is this, you know, a hint to kind of go? And that's something we would absolutely talk through. Because I really don't think there is a concrete answer to any one given problem. Mm -hmm. Everyone is in a specific situation. They are their own individual. I cannot say everyone who is experiencing XYZ should do this, right? I don't believe that's how it works. Um, I needed someone who could support me on my individual journey and adjust their suggestions based on where I was at 
in that moment. Mm-hmm. There's not this like rubric to the thing called life. <laughs> and so um, often I, I do, I have trouble answering these questions because I don't have this all encompassing. This is what I would offer. Um, but I think the first thing would be just getting really clear on what stuck means. Mm-hmm. Also getting clear on what stuck feels like, like in the body so that we can start to recognize day to day the specific instances where that's coming up and then move forward from there to figure out what needs to shift or how or what it might be. Mm -hmm. Love it. Well, thank you for coming on. This has been a pleasure and I've learned a lot and I know a lot of other people will too. Thanks, friend. This was awesome. (laughs) So I told you that was good. If you liked it, please share it with someone. Please rate and review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. I would truly appreciate it. But yes, sharing it with someone is how the word gets out. That's how the podcast becomes more popular. I would truly appreciate it. I love you all so much. And I hope, I really do hope you have a great week. I hope that we all just can find peace in this crazy ass world that we're living in right now. All right. Love you all. Bye. Bye.